Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Speed Technologies, the Ask Noah show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open to be a part of the program. It's a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's one 855 or send an email to live at asknoahshow.com. My name is Noah Chalaya, your host. Delighted to be here with you as another episode of the Ask Noah Show kicks off this hour. Has Apple given up on the MacBook as we know it? That's the question that you all have been asking the last week. I've gotten, man, I've gotten Telegram, I've gotten Telegram messages, I've gotten emails, I've gotten hit up in the chat room. I, I You guys have filled out the contact forms over at asknoahshow.com. I mean, every possible way that to get in contact with the show, you guys have all been asking, uh, you know, for my take on this. And the truth is, we actually had this story for you last week, but we were on location live at the Tamarack Tap Room in Woodbury, Minnesota, celebrating our one-year anniversary of the Ask Noah Show, and we had a deep, interesting discussion with a lot of the people that were there about education and the future of, well, technology and our children. And so we didn't quite get to that story, but we're going to get to it. This week, as I said just a couple of seconds ago, the phone lines are open, one 855 That's 855-450-6624. Also this week, we have the Mumble Room with us. So you can join us in the Mumble Room, mumble.jupiterbroadcasting.org. Change the port and with four instead of whatever it is, and you can uh, join us that way for high-fidelity audio. Also in the Mumble Room, coming up this hour is a friend of mine, Mr. Brad Mygar, and Brad and his business associate are looking at starting a small business. And so they hit me up and said, hey, we want to start a small business. We want to do a lot of this stuff on Linux, and we want to know um, some basic questions. Of how, how do you get started? How do you start a small business? And so they're going to be joining us this hour, and we're going to be having that discussion live on the air. But as always, phone calls go to the front of the line, and Chaz is calling from New York. Hey, Chaz, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Hey, Noah, how's it going? Excellent. How can we help today? Well, it's actually kind of funny because I was going to ask you about Apple, but not about the new MacBook um, uh, when I called up. Okay. So a lot of the the discussion on the Ask Noah show is centered around owning your own technology and having the freedom to do that. And Apple's a pretty frequent target of not allowing you to own your own technology. Right. Um, What I find interesting, though, is... For the past couple uh, years and even within the past week, Apple's made some very uh, pro-freedom comments in the press. You remember mm-hmm. that they uh, didn't want to uh, they didn't want to unlock the San Bernardino terrorist phones right. um, because of the implications that could have for everybody else's phone. And just recently, they uh, responded to criticism that they allow uh, NRA TV to be broadcast on Apple TV on the basis that you can't have uh, democracy without both sides. So I was kind of interested in getting your opinion. Uh, on how Apple squares the fact that they really don't want you using their products to do anything besides what they've decided you should be able to do with them with, you know, what I would consider to be very, you know, pro-freedom comments that are actually kind of refreshing to hear in today's day and age. Absolutely. I think for Apple, 
uh, a large part of it is a brand differentiator, right? When you have people that are criticizing Google for being overly invasive and constantly on people's backs and constantly digging through people's back pocket, it becomes a brand differentiator for Apple to stand out and say, okay, we're not going to be... We're not going to be that company. We're going to be the opposite of that company. So if you don't care about your privacy and you don't care about, um, you know, companies selling your information and all that stuff, then that's that phone and that architecture over there. And if you do care about those things, then we're the company over here. And I think that's why you see them making, um, you know, the decisions they make regarding their their um, their implementation of like the smart home stuff where it's all local on the LAN, uh, encrypted between devices, or so they say anyway. Of course, it's not open, so we don't know, but that's what they tell us. Uh, I think that's why you see the secure enclave in the iPhone and the payment system and stuff like that. The problem is, and, and where I take exception to it is for every for every perceived step forward that we take, uh, we fundamentally take a step back because in order to let's take the payment thing, for example, in order to get this secure enclave, all this nonsense that they say is so secure, everything has to be processed through Apple, through Apple stuff, through Apple's models, through Apple's procedures and stuff like that. And so on one hand, they're able to say, yes, we have audited this stuff. And so we promise you that it's secure and you can trust us because we're a big company and we tell you that it's secure. On the other hand, uh, two bad things happen. One is we can't actually audit that stuff um, because it's not open source. The second thing, and arguably the more important thing from my perspective is they they nerf the the chips inside of the phone. So you don't have NFC on an iPhone. You have Apple Pay and that's all it can do. It can pay for things. Now, if you listen to Samsung, they'll have these idiotic commercials where people are slapping phones together and, and you know, transferring files as if anyone, you know, who does that, right? Nobody taps a phone together to send a pay. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there that does it, but the majority of us share it on social media and then other people download it or we text it to somebody or we send it on Telegram or whatever. That's how we move pictures and, and audio files or whatever between devices. We're not using NFC for that. But when it comes to things like password managers or I was working with a, a friend of mine, we were installing a... a, a um, a keyless entry thing to his house and we were able to use the NFC inside of his phone to unlock his, his doors. You can hold his phone up and unlock the door. Those are the kind of things that, uh, you're never going to be able, you can't do physically can't do with Apple because they have nerfed the chip inside of their phone. And so that, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause you're right. In a lot of ways, the guiding mentality that Apple takes is the same as the privacy conscious free, you know, EFF stuff. On the other hand, the way that they actually go about implementing it and the way that they force their users to, to subjugate to it, I, I think I, I think violates the very principles they're they're trying to instill, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It's kind of like a um, uh, they want to say all the right things, but at the end of the day, they want to be the person with their finger on the button. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think Apple does a lot of things. I think Apple ha up to this point has done a lot of things right. I think that it is it should be concerning to everybody that I anyone that owns their devices that you have literally one company in charge of everything. And we're going to get to that a little bit later in the hour as we go and talk about this this latest story about Apple switching up their processors. Because if you are a person that relies on a mobile laptop for production use and you rely on you know, a specific set of software and a, you know, a, a, a specific code base or whatever, a lot of that might be changing in the future. And, and 
it may work for Apple and their and their business model and where they want to make money, but does it work for you? Does that matter? Does anyone care? Let me know. 855-450-NOAH. That's 855-450-6624. The email live at asknoahshow.com. We'll get to that story in just a little bit, but I want to take some time and go to our Mumble Room. Hey, Mumble Room. Welcome to the Ask Noah Show. How's it going? Hello. Hey. So I want to start um, with Brad. Brad is uh, a friend of mine. We uh, we've interacted interestingly enough. You know, this week, obviously, I'm sure all of you are watching uh, with uh, great interest as Mark Zuckerberg avoids answering every possible question he can. Uh, but uh, we, Brad, you and I connected on Facebook, I think, originally, and then we've more recently moved to Telegram. Uh, yeah, and so and then and then now Mumble. And so I think last night or the night before, you and I were having a discussion about small business. So, so tell me, and obviously, you know, don't spill any of your secret sauce, but tell me a little bit about what you're trying to get off the ground. Yeah. So basically, um, uh, I'll just bring it back a little bit. Um, my friend and I, we have been talking, uh, for probably approaching maybe a year about starting basically an IT consulting firm, uh, with a strong emphasis on Linux and open source software. Uh, he's kind of the guy that got me into it initially. So it's kind of, kind of cool. Um, Cool full circle thing like that. But um, yeah, essentially, the more we talked about it, the more I realized uh, it sounds exactly like <laughs> what AltaSpeed does. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I hooked up with you, what, a couple couple days ago? And yeah. you gave me a lot of really good advice. So yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, some of the things that we were talking about is so you were confused, or not confused, I should say, but you were just wondering, like, how do I get this thing off the ground? How, uh, like the the you were looking for the nuts and bolts because a lot of people they'll yeah. they'll call this program and they will ask for something very specific. They'll say, you know, I'm starting a consulting firm and I want to know if uh, certifications are valuable. Which certifications you know are the most valuable? They'll ask a very pointed, specific question. And you were more you and your friend are are really more after like the nuts and bolts. And so as we kind of got into that discussion, I was like, you know, maybe we just table the rest of this discussion and have it on air. So if there's somebody else out there that's saying, you know what, I work an eight to five job, or in your case, you work almost kind of in the same industry, but not exactly. And you're like, well, I could, I could ease, I could see myself making a change to doing consulting and I could make a lot more money and I'd have a lot more freedom and I'd be in control of my own destiny. All those things that us as small business owners, we value. Um, but you're wondering, you know, how do I, how do I take those first steps? What are some practical right. steps, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about right. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I feel like we can figure out a lot of those specific things, but it, I kind of figured it, it made a lot of sense to, and it was prudent to get advice from wiser people who have more experience essentially. So sure. So I'm talking to Noah right now. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about the wiser part. <laughs> I definitely have experience. So, you know, and the, the, the thing is too, and I've said this before on the air, I'll say it again. A lot of people, they have success and they have experience pegged as this linear mountain that you climb and then you stand on top of this mountain of success. And the truth is it's really more of a stinky, terrible pile of failures and you're on top of that pile. And if you, and you, you fail enough times until you figure out what doesn't work. And then, you know, eventually you find, you know, the, the you know, the, the keys to, to make it work. And so, and it's, it's not, it's not a linear process. So I, anyone that's starting out in business, I would tell them, don't worry about a linear process because it, a lot of times when you're first starting out, it feels like you're failing more often than you're succeeding. And that's perfectly normal. And the, uh, the example I've used in the past is, um, 
I don't know if anyone out there water skis, but I'm an, I'm an avid water skier. I love water skiing in the summer. And uh, when you go to slalom ski, one of the things that they'll tell you is when you're coming out of the water, it looks like there's water up all around you. It looks like you're 10 feet under the water. You're not. That's just kind of what it looks like. And the trick is to will yourself to hang onto the rope long enough until you can until you can get on top of that surface tension and, and ride on top of the water. Uh, and that's a lot of ways is what small businesses. And so the first thing I always tell everyone is, uh, you know, hang onto the rope. But at the same time, understand that small business carries a lot of risk. And, you know, you and I were talking about that the other night. What, what exactly was your question about? Uh, we, we, I don't know exactly how we got onto it. We were talking about money, was it? Uh, I, we were probably talking about money at some point. <laughs> um, I think your first bit of advice was basically uh, try to start your business debt free. Um, right. And yeah, so I had a lot of follow up questions on essentially how you go about doing that. I know it's a little easier in a consulting kind of, kind of focus, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, if you had any further advice, like, are there other maybe solid ways to secure like early stage funding that don't entail taking on debt? Like, I had a ton of follow-up questions like yeah, that. But. Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll just rehash a little bit of what we had what we had discussed. So basically, what I what I had said was, debt in any circumstance, and you know, and that and that would be in whether you're buying a house or a car or starting a business, doesn't matter. All debt is equal to risk because you are if you if you if you look at a line, you say here is zero. The further we go from zero, the more we have to catch up to get back to zero, much less get actually ahead. So anytime you're starting with debt, you're you're taking on you're, you're adding risk. And the problem, the particular problem that you face when you do that in small business is when you let's say you buy borrow money on a house. There's fairly low risk involved there because the average is that the houses tend to go up in value. And so you'll be able to sell the house for what you paid for it, if not probably more. Uh, when it comes to small business, though, it's, you know, I think it's 30 percent of them go under in the first two years. And so you have to you have to understand that you're you're already starting in a risky situation. And so taking on a bunch of debt adds to that risk and in small business, you just don't need any additional any additional risk. Now to your question of how how do you go about securing funding to start, there's a couple ways to do that. The 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 way I try to recommend that that anyone would do it in the way that I didn't do it and I deeply regret doing it this way is you, you get the boat close enough to the dock that you can just step into the boat. And I did the exact opposite. I just jumped into the water and was hoping that I could find, build myself a boat before I drowned. Uh, I quit my job uh, 18 days before I filed the paperwork with the state to say I was going to start a business. And then we made absolutely no money that, that the rest of that year, December of 2009, uh, going on the next couple of months into the next year. And that was because I... I didn't properly plan, and I, if I had it to do over again, I would do it differently. So if you if you keep if you have a steady job and you can save some money up on the side, that's one way to do it. The other thing that you can do is you can sign agreements or contracts with uh, with uh, various uh, you know clients. So you might find a small office and they say, "We Brad, we really want you to come do consulting for it. you." Say, "Okay, I want to charge X amount of dollars per month to do that." And they say, "Okay, yeah, we'll do that." And you say, "All right, well, I tell you what, you give me twelve months." of the uh, of the payments up front and I'll or you give me 11 months of the payments up front and I'll give you support for the entire year. So anytime you have a problem or maybe it's a predetermined amount of hours however you structure the thing you set it up in such a way that uh they're 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 paying you, you know, you're it's a contract fee. So you you sign the contract, you you're you're doing the work, um but they just write the check up at the front of it rather than okay. writing a check every month. 
Okay, so that sort of speaks to the you mentioned that AltaSpeed has kind of a hybrid model between uh, like a subscription based sort of thing and an hourly. Is that sort of where that where that balance is struck? Right. Yeah. So okay. so uh, so we do we we there's two ways that you can pay us to do services. The first way, if you just call us up, you call the one hundred number and say I want X done, uh, we will do whatever however many however long it takes to do that and we'll bill you at $75 an hour. If you want an estimate and this is one of the things that you should know starting a consulting business and anyone should know if you're ever calling for a quote on something. If I'm quoting something, I'm going to quote high because I can, I need to be able to cover myself when something eventually doesn't work the way that we thought it was going to, right? So you step into a project and you think the project's going to take you 2 hours or 3 hours, you better quote 4 because if because if you're you're not because at the end of the day we're definitely not going to lose money if we're gonna if we're gonna fudge on one side or the other we're gonna fudge on this side of making more money now right. I am more than happy to do uh, what we call straight billing so if you if you just say this is the project I want done can you do it for under this amount of money so let's say we let's say we thought you know it's gonna take you know two or three hours something like that say listen I I don't really care absolutely hard limit do not go over 500 bucks can you do that well we know it's not going to take five hundred dollars you know we're close to that it's gonna take us but you know an hour two maybe three tops okay fine I hard limit 500 bucks but bill you whatever it takes and then we'll just add our time up and at the end of it send tell you what it's gonna be and I don't know what that number is gonna be until we get done with it uh, I have a rough idea, but you know that's that. There's two ways to do it. The, the the and the thing about estimates are, and some people don't understand this, and maybe it's just the way that we do business as opposed to like a car dealership, for example. If we give you a hard estimate, that number is rock solid, and nothing on earth will change it. So, and we've gotten into situations. We went to do a hotel. This is very early on. Uh, and uh, a guy says, uh, I want you guys to do Wi-Fi. Walked around the building, found they had a bunch of access points. So the equipment is already there. Structured wiring looked fine. They had uh, they didn't have a map, but we were able to trace the wires out. And I said, okay, well, take us about an hour, I figured, to reconfigure those. Or two hours to reconfigure the access points, bring them onto our system, all that good stuff. Says, okay, all right, two hours. So we you know, wrote out an estimate. It was a firm estimate. This is what it's going to take. All right. Well, it turns out they had had some water damage, and some of that equipment was not working correctly. And uh, I never could prove that it was actually damaged equipment. I just knew that something was not working. These access points are rebooting every couple of hours. And um, so we installed 15 new access points. Uh, we ended up replacing the router just because at that point, why not? Uh, and the switch. And they paid us for two hours of service. And uh, because I gave them my word in writing that we were going to charge them X amount of dollars. And so I... It doesn't matter to me what things I failed to take into account when I gave them my word. We're sticking to that that number. So it goes both ways. Um, right. Okay. So do you ever have uh, like customers misrepresent what the job is uh, as you're quoting them? And you, you know what I'm saying? Where, sure. Where it's on them and not you? Like how do yeah. you deal with a situation like that? Um yeah. So uh, first of all, I don't deal with uh, I don't deal with dishonest people, and I don't deal with I, I don't deal with liars, and I don't deal with with people who steal. So if if that I think you know we've been in business since two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've been in business since two thousand nine. It hasn't been an issue, I guess. So I, it, it, but I I would absolutely flat out fire a client for that if 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 it was a genuine mistake. That's one thing. If I found out, especially if it was a pre repetitive thing, if I found out that um, they were intentionally trying to do stuff to to gain the system, because the thing is, our contract services, the way that our, our the way that we structure it, 
We don't have a limit. So if you pay us, and I don't know exactly what the, the, the monthly amount is, but if you pay us to manage a system, you can break that system every single day, every day of the year, and we will fix that, that system every single day uh, and you'll only you only ever get a bill for what the agreed upon monthly amount is we never there, there's no limit on how, how much you can call us to service that system uh, it, now if I found and again if I looked into it and found out that they're they're intentionally trying to cause problems or um, you know inside of the contract there's obviously there are certain things there are certain terms like you're, they're not allowed to reinstall the OS on their own we have a certain amount of say in the in in the kind of software that we're going to support and outside because I can't we can't be experts on everything uh, so they're they're obviously there are certain limitations built into that contract, but if we found out that there are people that are intentionally trying to be dishonest, I would just I would I would nail them as a client. I would just get rid of them. Uh, and you know the thing is, we have um, you've probably heard me say this on the air since 2009. We've never lost a client, and I've always been very proud of that. And and one of the things that and it's it's come um, as we've expanded outside of Grand Forks into the the national arena and started to uh, compete on a national scale and doing a lot more remote stuff. Uh, I am starting to become more and more uh, stringent on on which clients I take. And so if there's any advice I could give, if I could go back and give myself a piece of advice uh, starting out, don't worry about keeping every client you've ever had. There is such a thing as a bad client. There are such things as customers that you really don't need to be working for. And uh, so don't put don't put the amount of emphasis that I put on keeping every customer because it's to a certain degree for me, it was a matter of pride to be able to say that once they went to Alta Speed, they never went back because we did a good job. I have recently, I, I've started to modify that, my belief system on that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so how do you deal with, uh, like if you said you haven't had to deal with it that much, but like, how would you deal if a situation did go sour? Um, like how would you gracefully exit that sort of situation without burning you know, potentially sure. relationships like tangential relationships. Sure. So I, I tell you how I how I do approach because where I have had to deal with this kind of situation was is with employees, right? If the employee has been with me for a long time, you know, and I'll say we'll define long time as over a year or so, and something happens, and I know that employee's character and that behavior is out of character. And this has happened. It's happened both ways. I've had an employee that's been with me for a very long time, and they did something that was out of character. It was wrong. But it was out of character. And so I sat him down, just said, hey, what's going on? Well, this is what's happening in life. And this is what's going on. And it was the wrong thing to do. And I'm sorry. And here's what happened. Okay. To a certain amount of, to, to a certain degree, and again, it depends on how bad the thing is, but to a certain degree, I'm going to let that slide. Uh, if it's somebody that's been here for three weeks or a month or three months or whatever, I'm cutting that guy loose. And I've done both. I have kept people for that have done you know, egregious things. Um, but they have, they, ha I know for a fact that it's out of character for them. I know that's not who they are. I know it was, you know, it's a one-time thing that a uh, circumstance that happened and it was the wrong thing to do. And if it ever happened again, they'd get absolutely no grace. Uh, and I've also been on the other side of it where I've had somebody that they're just a bad apple. And, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if it's a one-time thing, if that's out of character, if that's just who they are. But we don't have enough invested in them to keep them around, so we just cut them loose. And so I would apply that same logic to a client. If I if we had a client, if the client has been good to us and, and, and it's not out of their character uh, and, 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 some, and a situation came up, I would absolutely you know, address that and say, you know, I, I would, you know, we need to make sure this never happens again. And this is why it's frustrating for us. And this is how it's ultimately, you know, you, you don't want to screw your IT company because ultimately we're in business to keep you in business, you know? And so we would have that conversation. 
if it's some if it's a, if it was a relatively new client to sp- and and of course money plays a certain degree in in how flexible I'm willing to be but uh you know if they if they're not if they don't represent uh, you know a, a large income revenue stream for us I'm not even going to spend the time of day I just you know I tell them to take a hike Okay cool um let's see here so I guess maybe shifting focus a little bit, how would you recommend uh, a, a business starting up uh, set themselves apart from already established competition? Uh, like what are some good practical ways that you could get your foot in the door as a brand new? Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. So uh, when I first started, I used to think it was all about advertising. I used to think it was all about if I if I had the funny ad or the creative ad or maybe I wasn't advertising in the right places and so we tried radio ads we tried TV ads we for a while we were on the big screen at a local movie theater we had an ad that played uh, on <laughs> in a movie theater um, where can I get that movie yeah I can, I'll give it to you actually I have it on my laptop <laughs> I will send it to you after we're done I think it's even on YouTube somewhere if anyone's interested we can even post it uh, you know after the show or can something I have a screening yeah Perfect. it's 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 pretty comical but it, but the, the the thing is and then I would and then I would sit down and I would say man we're spending all this money and it's not really turning into any leads and i don't understand why and what i didn't understand was that that is not how you get customers you get customers based on who you know and how and how those people talk about you and the way to get those people to talk about you is to do a really really good job so if there is if 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 you only do one thing if there's if, if somebody has out there and you're only taking one piece of information away from this uh from this show it's Customer service is everything. Treating your customers well is everything. And there is a there's a really fantastic book, and I, I've read it once before. I just got done reading it a second time. It's called "Thou Shall Prosper." It's by Rab, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and and he talks about this. Tr- you know, if you treat your customers very very well, if you if you do a really good job, if you care deeply about every single customer and every single job that you're doing, they're going to thank you with these things that we call dollars and then they're going to go and talk about you because they're so happy to be served well. They're so happy to to have somebody that does really good work. People are more than happy to pay you and pay you well when you do a good job. The only time you ever have hear people complaining about how much somebody charged them is when they didn't feel like they got a good value for it. And so, and right. I, and I will tell my clients flat out, if you sign a contract with us, 100% of the time, you're always going to get more work out of us than you pay for. And it has to work like that. The math has to work like that for us to be able to justify doing a contract versus just paying hourly. And so, and you know, the clients, they, they kind of sit back in their seat and they're like, did he just say that? Yeah, I just said that. It, 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 we know that we have to, if we charge $75 an hour, we have to deliver more more value for the for the for the for the flat price than we would get hourly or you everyone would just buy hourly it's a simple math thing we understand that um and and so and so providing we always make sure that every customer walks away with a good value and the more money that you are willing to spend the more value we're going to give you because we know this just we know that is how we are going to generate more business and get more clients in cool cool that's awesome man um yeah, I think that's basically all I had uh, for right now. I really appreciate your time, and I'm not going to take up the whole show. So <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. So <laughs> thanks so much, man. Yeah, th- thank you. Before I let you go, I just want to ask: so, w- what general area of the country is this going to uh, is this going to be launching in? Uh, this will be like Ohio area. Okay, so in in a couple months or year, whenever you th- get the thing off the ground, you're going to come back and, and tell the fine folks of Ohio where they can get some really great Linux consulting. 
Uh, heck yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. We'd, great. We'd love to have you back on the show. Thanks a lot for joining us, Brian. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Again, open phones, one 450 noah That's one 450 6624 The email, live at com. JJ joins us from our Mumble Room. Hey, JJ, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. How's it going, Noah? Excellent. How can we help today? So uh, I sort of have a question that sort of burned on earlier today when I was talking to a coworker of mine about, and we were talking about uh, messaging, like we're still on Novell Messenger, if you or if that's even remarkable, and I'm not even sure if you've ever transitioned any organization off of it. But <laughs> in your, but the question being, is an organization can an organization be too big for open for open source? Can it be uh, too reliant reliant on the the names of? Well, from what I've explained to my, from what my coworker explained, he said that. We need to rely on the brand name of a certain company, such as Cisco or mm-hmm. at Novell, and we can't really rely on op- an open source product in order to that might break, and we don't have support for it. Do you know what's interesting? If you would have asked me this question five years ago, before I started um, doing the Linux Action Show, and then later the Ask Noah Show, I would have given you a completely different answer. I would have told you five or six years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think open source can work in the small mom and pop shops. I think open source works in large industries that are specifically designed around open source or open source models. I think it can work there. But I just I I would have told you five years ago that I believed there are some businesses that are so large and so ingrained in their software infrastructure and their software setup in specific choices, in specific workflows that you can't change them. And they don't want to change, and there is no because at the end of the day, when it when you're talking about business, it has to be there again. There has to be a financial incentive. It has to make sense financially for them to do it because most businesses they don't care about the principle of technology. They just want to make a buck, and so the most cost effective way to make a buck is is the best way for that business. That's what I would have told you. Now, having started working for Jupiter Broadcasting and going to a lot of these businesses. That perspective has completely changed, and it's st- the very first place to change that perspective was Red Hat. So, is this company bigger than uh, like a three billion dollar company? So basically, this is a med- this is a medical univer- medical campus univers- uh, of a university. So. Okay, sure. So probably not a four billion dollar place or uh, four it, billion dollar revenue anyway. I mean. It's pretty big. I don't know specifically about the cost of like the and the money and all that. I'm not a I'm not a accountant from there, sure. so I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so I I guess, I guess my point is when I went to Red Hat and I would walk around and I would see all of these people using LibreOffice and running Linux on the desktop. In fact, every Chris and I have this thing. Every time we go into a business or a or any place really, we pay attention to how many people are running Windows, how many people are running Linux, and how many people are running Mac. And inside of our heads, we have this, calcul- not calculation, but we have this uh, tally, I guess, where, we, where we, we put this into this mental spreadsheet of, here are the number of companies that are telling you you should be using Linux, and here are the ones that are actually using Linux. And you would be shocked at how many places are that have Linux at the forefront We'll tell you to use Linux. We'll tell you Linux is great on the desktop. Uh, we'll even make how-tos on how to do things on Linux. And then they don't actually run Linux. They're running it inside of a VM or something like that. And how frustrating that can be 
as content producers who actually do live and breathe what they tell you to do, the things that we tell you to do here on the air, the things that we're doing. When I tell you, when I tell Brad when he wants to start a business that he should be doing it on Linux, I'm running my business on Linux. And so when, 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 when the next person calls in and says, how do I do a podcast? I tell them that they should be using Linux because I'm using Linux to do my podcast. I, I, I recommend people do what I'm doing and I do what I recommend. So I, you know, I'm consistent that way, which seems to be more and more an anomaly. Um, but w what I saw when I went into Red Hat is I looked for the MacBooks. I looked for the Windows computers and I thought I would find them in an organization that big. You'd think that, you know, the graphic design teams and stuff like that, they're, you know, they probably have them. Now, I'm not saying they don't exist in Red Hat. I'm sure somebody there has a MacBook. I'm sure somebody there has a Red, has a, uh, a Windows 10 machine. But it's very, I couldn't find them. And I went and we toured the whole place. We walked through all of the buildings. I'm walking by every single one of those desks. I'm looking at every single one of those docks. I'm looking at every single one of those screens. And every one of them was running some form of Linux. Uh, lots and lots of Red Hat, lots and lots of Fedora, but there's all sorts of other distros there as well. And then we got a chance to sit down and talk with the people that hire and the people that sit at Red Hat and, and, and bring these people in. And we asked them, what is the onboarding experience like? Well, every employee gets their company issued ThinkPad, which is pre-installed with Red Hat Enterprise and their sit phone. And so they can take that phone and they can work inside here at the office or they can work at their home or they can work here or there or everywhere. Uh, and uh, they, if they want to reinstall a different distro, they're welcome to do that. If they want to use Fedora, they can. And there's internal support groups that help that every, you know, like for the Fedora guys, they have how to work at Red Hat in Fedora. They have all of that figured out. So if you install Fedora, they'll there's a little inside mini group that tells you how, that, how, how to get that stuff set up. And they've even gone so far as to have specific tools that aren't available in that well they're available in linux but they violated a, a group of employees beliefs in on how to you in in using like java for example and so red hat paid their engineers to go and write brand new software so those people wouldn't have to do that now um, th this is a long pat on red hat's back because they just do an, an, an exceptional job for it but that all that to say red hat is far, far and away larger than most companies and they manage to use linux for everything so they, and they're not too big for it but then the next question i get is well they're a linux company right so obviously their workflow is going to work on linux it's not hard to work on red hat when you are red hat right what about google google have if you talk to google employees they get computers issued with gubuntu uh, or G Linux or whatever they call it now, which uh, it's it's Linux and they are expected to do their work on Linux. And when you talk to some of these employees at Google, they have no allegiance necessarily to Linux. They could choose a MacBook and yet they're choosing the X1 Carbons and they're choosing Chromebooks and all these other things uh, that are all running Linux or their workstations that are running Linux, which are not available as far as I know with uh with uh, mac os so you, you buy the if you get the uh if you get the the workstation it, it comes with linux and those people large large company it, are, are making everything work on top of linux and so i i have seen linux work in tiny 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 little shops where resources are very very scarce at places that rely primarily on donations and stuff like that and i've i've watched them use linux and succeed at it i've watched places like google make linux and succeed and the, and the latest example that i've seen as much as bad press as facebook is getting in the news lately and as much as i'm not a fan of mark zuckerberg or, or him dodging questions in congress 
if you look at the model that Facebook has done, again, five years ago, me and a lot of other people would have told you, if you want to run a proper server infrastructure, you better be buying ProLiant servers from HP or Dell PowerEdges or whatever Lenovo calls theirs, and you better buy a pre-made server and it better come and it better have support and warranty and all that. And Facebook threw all that out the window and they went with the open compute systems. And so they build these custom uh, AC sides of the rack and DC sides of the rack. And they have a, they have a, a compute sled and a storage sled. And, a, and on all of these things are all homebrew, essentially, systems. And then they publish a spec online. And now Google is adopting the open compute stuff. And so uh, we, have, we are watching open source and Linux work all over the, all over the spectrum, all over the scales. And if you catch... This week's Linux Unplugged, Chris actually addresses a very similar question to this. And he says, he's talking about Linux Fest Northwest and the setup that we're going to have and, and how we've set that up. And uh, one of the things that he talks about is how neat it is to watch the scale. Uh, you can do production on Linux on a $100 budget with a used, you know, T420. We've done this T420 with a C920 Logitech webcam and the, and the um, Audio-Technica USB mic connected to it. You can do a, 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 a live broadcast using that setup for, you know, under $200. Or you can do what we're doing this year, which is going to be a substantially more uh, elaborate. And there is some expense obviously involved in that kind of setup, but you're going to be able to, your, your Linux is going to work on both of those all across that scale. And so I, that's a very, very, very long half the show way of saying, no, I don't think that there is such a thing as an organization that's too big to use Linux. Okay, that makes sense. And I guess it also depends on the perspective of the employees and or the uh, organization itself and what sort of contracts they're also mired in as well. So that's all factors taken into consideration. Yeah, the good news is, and this kind of goes back to our small business discussion, when you're having these conversations, be aware that usually the guy writing the check is not the guy that is largely going to be using the stuff that 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 he signs off on. So a lot of these people that make that, you know, they're very high level CTO level, CEO level, president level positions. Uh, you know, these guys, a lot of them don't even know how to check their email. They have some, you know, they have their secretary, or their, their personal assistant, or whatever is checking their email and and deals with all of the day to day issues. And so uh, that it's it's a I don't know. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. But, but the 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 way that it's advantageous to us as consultants is that a lot of times the the pushback is when workflow changes. So if somebody is used to going into the Microsoft Office ribbon and clicking on a given button that is in a given place, and all of a sudden that button isn't there, that person is upset and thinks the new software sucks because the, this this button isn't there. Well, the good news is as a consultant. The people that sign off on that stuff aren't the ones that have to find those buttons or find those ribbons or get used to that workflow. So a lot of times that doesn't even enter into the discussion. There'll be a lot of people we've, we've dealt with it, you know, and we do a lot of the front end support. So we deal with those calls and walk those users through it. And eventually it, the sh I have seen this, it, it happens almost every single time the ship eventually does swing the other way and then they start to get ingrained in the software that you know we have taught them to use and i i was just dealing with a conversation earlier today um, from a client that is unhappy that outlook is handling uh its sync to g suite differently than the way that thunderbird is handling the sync to g suite and uh, and she's mad and she's well we went to where you were using outlook over here and it doesn't work as well as thunderbird works and well yeah i i agree i i like the way that thunderbird works too so uh, so it goes both ways and i've seen that happen Understood. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I guess so. Cool. 
Again, open phones, one 450 noah That's 855-450-6624. The email, live at asknoahshow.com. Or join our Mumble room at uh, mumble.jupiterbroadcasting.org. Uh, I want to get to this article from uh, on, on Apple. Basically... Uh, well, we'll just read it. Apple Incorporated is planning to use its own chips in Mac computers, beginning as early as 2020, replacing processors from Intel Corp., according to people familiar with the plans. The initiative, codenamed Kalamata, is still in early development stages, but comes as part of a strategy on all Apple devices, including Macs, iPhones, and iPads, to work more similarly and seamlessly together, said the people who were asked, who asked, who asked not to be identified discussing private information. The project, which executives have approved, will likely be a multi-step transition. By using their own chips, Apple would be able to more tightly integrate the hardware and software and potentially resulting in systems with better battery life similar to iPads, which Apple uses their own chips in. As part of a larger initiative to make Macs more like iPhones, Apple is working on a new software platform internally named Marzipan, which will release as early as this year that will allow users to run iPhone and iPads apps on Macs. Now, this story was, it, it, it stood out to me last week and I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't really sure exactly what to say on it. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized how huge this is. And I've been following the discussions on Reddit and, and Facebook about it. Apple for years has been saying that um, the Microsoft Windows platform is is a dead platform and and it is not going anywhere. And in fact, Microsoft somehow seems to share that opinion because they have done really nothing since Windows 7 to, to, to offer anything new and innovative in Windows. In fact, if anything, they have stripped away a lot of a lot of functionality in Windows 10. I shouldn't say anything. I guess they do have things like PowerShell and they've they've taken the great parts of Linux to try to make their own operating system better. But you look at where Apple is and where they make all their money or a lot of their money. They, I, I think the, the market share, I haven't looked at a, a, a graph lately. It's something like 50, 10%, 12% or something and people are running Macs on the desktop. So the vast majority of machines are still Windows. And Apple, despite making these really high-end, premium, super expensive computers that clock down to 800 megahertz unless you put them in a pile of water, uh, despite making those kinds of machines, still don't seem to be making a ton of traction. On the other hand, if you look at what they have done in the mobile sphere with uh, the iPhone and the iPad, at least here in the U.S., they have taken off like gangbusters. Now... Worldwide, I think it's still something like 90% domination of Android, and certainly all of the integrated things like digital signage and uh, you know displays and commercial applications, stuff like that. A lot of those things are always have been and probably will continue to be Android. But for day-to-day -day users here inside of the U.S., a lot of people have chosen to go the iPhone and iPad route. And so, if you're Apple and you're making just bank on these uh these these ipad and iphones i saw in the in one of our in one of our internal discussion uh things here at jb that apple was making that the develop there's a developer making like two million dollars a day on some uh on on, on i think it was Fortnite for uh, for the iphone i mean two million dollars a day so the ios infrastructure the ipad 
iPad and iPhone infrastructure is has it's just it's just gone nuts. And if you're Apple and you have this and you're making commercials that say where you've got the I don't know if any of you saw this in the uh, Super Bowl. There's the little girls and they're playing out in the front yard and they're playing on their iPads and the dad comes out and they're like, what are you doing on your computer there? And she goes, what's a computer? And she's you know playing on her iPad. Ha ha. Very funny. Um, but if that's your message that the next generation isn't going to be using computers they're going to be using tablets and then you couple that with we just talked last week about a, a a gentleman that is from a school district that was talking about how his education system is locked into the apple infrastructure and they are giving kids ipads if that's the direction that you're going does it not make sense to modify your operating system to modify your chipset so that you have one code base to target so when when a developer comes and writes go to meeting for example on the ipad it also works on the macbook and on the iphone and on whatever else i thing that what ipad pro whatever it comes out with does that not make sense so and 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 and, and if that's the case what is the future of the mac desktop what is the future of the mac laptop i'd like to know 855-450 no that's 855-450-6624 or the email live at asknoahshow.com what is the future of Apple on laptops and desktops? I am, I, I, th- it also underscores another point, and that is that we absolutely cannot get 1804 wrong. We absolutely have to get this right this time because there is an opening, almost like an opening we have never seen before. It, it, this, between Apple discontinuing intel processors in their laptops and the debacle that is windows 10 that is i i i I go on record that is better than any other opportunity that we've had in the past we absolutely cannot get this wrong and i'll be the first person to turn my microphone on sit behind it and say i am i am absolutely sorry i i apologize if i have if I have offered criticism or critique or feedback on, you know, let's say a given wireless issue, uh, and 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 it upset or offended any of the people that 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 the, whose hard work made that operating system possible, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate your operating system. I'm running it right now on six machines, and uh, I, I plan to run it for the foreseeable future. But we need to. We absolutely cannot get this wrong. We cannot have tiny little issues that affect a small group of people here or there. We need to make sure that we are addressing that stuff and being cognizant of the fact that I am willing to to work through some of those issues and I am willing to try and figure out why that happened and 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 figure out how we can fix it. But but we need to understand that the vast majority of people are not going to do that. The vast majority of people, they will give it one and one only shot and when it doesn't work, they're going to go and buy a Windows machine or they're going to go buy a Mac. And even if that Mac is an ARM-based processor, the reality is as long as Apple puts sufficient pressure on its software vendors, to bring all of the applications that the, the that the Apple infrastructure you know knows and loves over nobody really cares what chip is inside of the machine but we have an opportunity right now while Apple is busy focusing on mobile and while Windows is focusing on whatever it is that Windows thinks they're focusing on we have an opportunity and that opportunity starts in uh, what's the date it's the 7th today it's the 10th today so that opportunity starts in like 2 weeks 
So we need to be ready. Again, phone lines are open, 855-450-NOAA. That's 855-450-6624. Ryan calls from Georgia. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Hey, Noah, thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir, how can we help? Well, I am a, uh, I'm a new um, business owner, and I am, uh, have just started an LLC, and um, I need to find uh, payroll software and I was wondering if you had any um, any recommendations. Yeah. Um, uh, open source would be great. Okay. I don't know. So the thing about payroll specifically or accounting and payroll all, all rolled into one? Payroll specifically. I mean, the, the latter is great, but, I mean, payroll specifically is... Um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't know. If, I can't even... I, I, I and, and believe me, if, if it was out there, I'd be using it, but... Honestly, Ryan, the the you're not gonna. I I don't think you're gonna find an open source payroll solution. Um, open. The thing about payroll solutions are they they are so involved with with uh, with you know state laws and code and stuff like that, where it's constantly being updated. Right. That it's payroll is really more of a service, and that's why when you go and look, you'll find that all of the payroll solutions out there, there is no. I just buy it and I have it. Uh, you pay a subscription fee, and you can, the the cheap the the um, how shall I say the one that you can use on Linux that doesn't that it will work completely on Linux, and it also happens to be one of the most cost effective ones is the Quick is the Intuit payroll service. You they have uh, they have payroll for Intuit QuickBooks Online, and uh, I I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's an extra like nineteen bucks a month or something, uh, and they will do all of the payroll stuff for you. Um, and it is, I mean, we have used it uh, for a little while, and it is fantastic. I mean, they literally do everything. You literally just enter the hours. The, you set up the employees with, you know, what they're paying and stuff like that. They put in all of their information. And then from there, you just put in the hours, and they send out a check. In fact, they even have the ability to tie into direct deposit if you want to do it that way. Okay. And now that's if you're, that's if you're using QuickBooks as your accounting software and you want to add payroll on top of it, or do they offer just a payroll a la carte? I believe, and don't quote me on this, I believe it is available as a standalone service. And the reason I say that is because I don't think at the time that we tried the payroll service that we had a QuickBooks Online account set up. So I think it's it's it, it functions completely independently, and uh, or you can have it tie into your, your software. Although, I'll be honest with you, I have... Um, you know, I, I we uh, System76 discontinued their uh, BeansBooks product, which, I, which I, I really do think that was the best accounting software I have ever used. I mean, it was really, really good. Um, and I, it's just not what they do, I suppose. I mean, they build computers, not accounting software. But it was a, they did a really bang-up job on it. I mean, it was really, truly fantastic. And um, but we, we they they discontinued, so we had to move away from it. And so we've gone to we've moved to QuickBooks Online, and uh, it's actually been really good. It. You know, it's it's a little bit it's more expensive than Beans Books, and it's not quite as straightforward and intuitive as QuickBooks was, or as uh, as Beans Books was. But uh, it's um, it works just fine on Linux, and then now we have it tied into the payroll stuff, and that works pretty well. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about looking at uh, GNU Cash. Sure. Um, for for accounting, but I guess uh, from what I from what I can see, I guess they don't have payroll. Um, built in so i'd have to go somewhere else for that or, or or add something on or something so sure so i guess a service is kind of the best 
best option. I understand what you're saying too. I mean, it's you know, it, it's changing year after year. So I I get that um, there's a lot of overhead for us for, for a provider, a software you know, a vendor to, to provide that. So. Yeah, we've even seen it change monthly. I mean, there's been yeah, there's even been some things that have changed monthly. So yeah, but yeah, okay. pre- yeah. All right. Yeah, appreciate the call, man. But yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it, it's ch- check it out. QuickBooks Online if you want if you're looking for accounting uh, software, and then check out the the payroll edition if you're interested in that. Uh, Annie is calling from California. Hey, Annie, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. I know. I always like it when you do those deep drills on a topic or a story. That's very informative. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a question though. I I did a Google search to try to turn off. I switched to Lubuntu, and I can't find a way to easily turn off the touchpad. Now, I, I, in the GUI, so I did a Google search, and I found some line commands, at, um, one of them X input list, which tells me which n- unit number the, the touchpad is, and then I'll put in X unit input set prop, and if the number's 14, I'll put in 14, and then device enable zero. Okay. That'll turn it off. Problem is, is every time I turn on my laptop again, I have to do this thing all over again, and and it's really annoying since I, you know, sometimes I don't use my laptop all day, so I I don't leave it on, and it's really annoying to have to open up the terminal every single time to turn off the touchpad. Sure. You know. And yeah. I'm absolutely. wondering if there's a way that you know to to keep that off. All the other operating systems. This is on Lubuntu on on mm-hmm. on Mate. And other ones, I've and um, um, X Zubuntu, I guess they're calling it. Um, <laughs> you can turn it off other ways, and, and it stays off. But I've never found a way to permanently turn off the touchpad. And likewise, to turn on the keypad, because I have a keypad on my laptop too. And every single time, I have to push the on button instead of having it on all the time. Is there any any ways you know of in the line commands, or because uh, I, I couldn't find nothing just to have it off all the time? Sure. Uh, so. Um the uh, the 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 e- the the easiest uh, I guess hacky way to your question is um, what I would do is I would go into the cron tab. I'll give you step by step written directions on how to do this. But but the the short and dirty answer is you can go into the cron tab, cron tab, and then a space tack e, and you can add the uh, the the um, the command at reboot. And then add, and then make yourself a little script. So basically, take all the commands that you're executing, and you'd save them into a text file somewhere. So let's say, let's say we put them in home slash Annie, and uh, and we call it uh, startup.sh. And um, then what we would do is we'd go into the, the the terminal. And again, I'll give you step by step directions in the show notes. But let's say we go into the terminal and we issue the command chmod. So change the mode c h m o d space plus x, which will make the thing that that then follows executable, and we'll give it the our script name, so chmode plus x uh, startup.sh, and then we will go into our cron tab, which is the, the Linux built-in scheduler, cron tab tech e, and we'll we'll put at reboot space and then the path to that script, so slash home slash annie slash startup.sh, and what that's going to do is every time the computer boots up, it's going to execute that script and it will automatically set all of those things for you now there might be a that's that's the answer to the question that you're asking is how do i automate this stuff happening there so 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 i've answered that question but there might be a better way to accomplish the thing that you're trying to accomplish and if there is such a way i will also have that in the show notes i don't know it off the top of my head if it exists is that acceptable to you 
one of the problems with the, the script thing is one of the reasons you have to push X input list is because the every time it starts up, the touchpad is a different number. Sometimes oh. Sometimes so if, and, and so if you made a script to do it, you, 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 you can't, I don't know how you'd make a script to read. The yeah. List. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Read the list, know which one's 14, which one's 13. And that's one thing that messed me up sometimes because I cut used, used to it being 14 and I typed it in 14 and shut my keypad off, which is like, uh oh. <laughs> okay, well, I, I tell you what. I've, I, so, I've, so I'll change my answer. I've got two. I've got two possible solutions for you. The first is you can. Yeah, I was just talking to the 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 advantage of having the Lubuntu release manager on our staff here is that I can just ping him and say, "How do I fix this?" Uh, so he says, uh, "What you can do is email <laughs> lubuntu-users at lists.ubuntu.com." And I'll include that email inside of the show notes as well. And so that that's thing one that you can do. The second thing I'm going to do for you, Annie, is I'm going to reach out to our um, a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Jason Plum. And Jason is an incredibly smart guy that deals with a lot of hardware stuff. And I'll ping him. He actually helped me fix a keyboard uh, issue once before. And so we'll see if if he has any solutions for you on how we can get that uh, how we can get that th that solved. There's, a, there's I'm guessing that there's a better way to do that. I just don't know what it is off the top of my head. <clears throat> Hey guys, are you familiar with our distro elimination challenge? Uh, actually, before I get to that, one other thing I need to ask real quick. If anybody has experience with black magic cards on Linux, specifically 1804, 1604, let me know. Hit me up uh, on in the on the contact form at asknoshow.com or send me a telegram. I want to talk to you. If you have the black magic device uh, capture cards, PCI capture cards, um, I, I, I would like to ask somebody some questions about them. So uh, let me know. It can't be on Arch. I know how to get it to work on Arch. I need uh, some help on on stock Ubuntu uh, or uh, or uh, KDE Neon. So if you have those, let me know. Our straw poll, our distro elimination challenge, you can vote by going to asknoahshow.com uh, slash elimination. We are nearing the end of our first round. I think next week starts the... Uh, the, the second round of our Linux Elimination Challenge. Last week, or the week before, rather, we paired Maui Linux with NixOS. Maui Linux came out ahead with 55% of the vote. NixOS coming in second place at 45% of the vote. This week, we have, drumroll says, I have to get back to... I think TrueOS versus Linux Mint. So I guess this is the first week of our second round. Uh, TrueOS versus Linux Mint. Again, as a refresher, you don't have to live on either one of those distros it's if you were stuck on an island you had two laptops in front of you true os or linux mint which one of those would you choose again we're going to take all of this information that we have collected and we're going to put it into one canonical site canonical being one central site not canonical the company we're going to put it into one central site <clears throat> that is going to have descriptions of all of these desktop distributions what they do what they excel at what they're not great at and we're going to publish that and make that available as the Amazon reviews of Linux. That will make it easy for newcomers to come. I'm going to try and squeeze one more call in here or one more, one or two more calls, maybe. James from Idaho. Hey, James, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Right now, the audio is unhearable, so I don't even know if you can hear me. Yep, we got you. Um, I would like to know how ultra speed. In case you can hear me, how ultra speed uh, uh, advertises is a good way to put Linux to the people outside of the, the, the know, outside of the 
groups outside of, I'll talk to people on, that are in networking, they know the nicest, but when you talk to somebody off the street, like a coffee shop, they're like, what? And they, because Microsoft and all their companies have promoted how Sure. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Basically, basically, what we do is we go through and uh, and talk about um, the cost effectiveness. That's really the easiest way to get a lot of those people on there. Uh, anyway, I think that br- brings us just about out of time. Uh, huge thanks to Vox Telsus for providing our phone systems. Ben, our producer, Sarah, our call screener. This hour of the Ask Noah Show may be over, but there's plenty more content for you 24-7 at AskNoahShow.com. <laughs>